0: This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call...
1: The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy
2: Show. And welcome to this Flashback Friday. It's also something else. It's a freaky Friday. And because it's a freaky Friday, we have the big freak right next to me. Kimmy, I got one name,
3: Kimmy. Hello everybody, hello everybody, 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 everybody.
2: Hi, I'm your host, Patrick Riley. Oh, I'm not so bad once you get to know me. Oh, that's so true. And right next to me is Kimmy the Super Freak. She's a super freak. That's right, and she is a freak. It is a Freaky Friday, a Flashback Friday, and we have Kimmy right here. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And welcome to one of your favorite days of the week.
4: Yeah. It's fun
2: Oh, yeah. Thank God. It's Friday. And that's what Kimmy says. I mean, she said that, matter of fact, when she sat down here in the studio before we turned the microphone on, didn't you?
4: Mm Mm-hmm. You (laughs) recorded me there.
2: So true. Giving some of those behind-the-scenes things, Kimmy. Uh, Thank you for doing that. Uh, By the way, thank you for listening to The Riley and Kimmy Show. Making us part of your week is what we hope, matter of fact, the entire week. Because this is not just a Monday through Friday thing. This is a a seven-days-a-week thing, day-in, day-out, year-round. That's what we do. It's a, a continuous... Adventure with Riley and Kimmy Show. When we say daily, we mean that. Be sure to tell your friends you found a place that offers pop culture escapism, something a little different to get you going, a way to get away from it all. We help with that commute or maybe uh, long hours at work or studying or just uh, can't sleep. Uh, yes, yeah, so perfect for insomniacs or shut-ins, is the Riley and Kimmy show. Be sure to recommend us. And by the way, safe for all ears, all ages. I'm gar- I am guarantee this. This is the one kind of show where uh, grandma and uh, the the five, well, maybe not five, maybe let's say eight-year-old can get along together, listening together. Right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. I mean, a whole family event. Yeah. You, matter of fact, you can take us to dinner. I guarantee that. No, we won't upset dinner, right? Right. Or breakfast. Uh, as I speak that, Kimmy's now starting to mm. salivate like my Hungry. mastiff. Uh, drools coming out now as we speak yeah those kind of things is what the Riley and Kimmy show helps with bacon Uh, uh, okay down down quiet now Uh, uh those are the kind of things that the Riley and Kimmy show helps with and you can help the Riley and Kimmy show by growing share it with your friends Tell them about our social media pages like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and have them follow. That will really help. Also, you can go anywhere with us. You can take us along on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, just to name a few. Or if you want to go back in time with those archived episodes, we have those available right on our website, along with celebrity interviews we have done. As a matter of fact, you can see somebody of the Riley and Kimmy show just recently on television. Uh, you can do that by going right to our website or Facebook page. And links to our social media, like Facebook, are available on our website. What is our web address, Kimmy?
4: RileyandKimmy.com
2: Find
1: archived podcasts
2: of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com Riley and
5: The
1: Riley and Kimmy Show The Riley and Kimmy Show.
2: Shall we play a game? That is the big question. Kimmy wanna go back in time on this freaky flashback Friday and test her brain cells. Challenge them with some, well, questions from the world of pop culture. Kimmy, what say you? Yeah, let's do it. Need to stress, the timeline has been adjusted, meaning it's not running in chronological or linear order. If this is your first time listening to Pop Culture Trivia, please help Kimmy along. Shout out answers. She's going to need your help on this episode. Don't let her down. So yell at whatever computing device you have the Riley and Kimmy Show playing on right now. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. We are the Riley and Kimmy Show. She actually believes in time travel answers, and I think she's kind of crazy, but it's a Freaky Friday So maybe she's right. So let's give it a shot. Kimmy, the very first question we have for you is in the world of toys. How's that? All right. Now, don't get confused about this kind of toy, meaning you can't call it one thing. You have to call it one specific thing. Matter of fact, they insisted you call this toy this kind of thing as opposed to a doll. And the phrase would catch. We're looking for the year that this item came to be. And you tell me what it was called besides a doll. G.I. Joe debuts as a toy. Now, G.I. Joe, it was insisted by its creator and by the marketing people not to call this a doll. It had to be called one thing and one thing only. What was it called? An action figure. That's right. The birth of the action figure is on this date in history. You have a plus or minus of two years of when the action figure known as G.I. Joe came to be. We'll give you a few moments to think about it on this Flashback
1: Friday.
4: G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe, fighting man for it to toe, on the
6: land, on the sea, in the air. G.I. Joe attack! Boom, boom! G.I. Joe take battle! Bam, bam! Terrific battle!
1: Terrific equipment to have a battle with. When you get G.I. Joe and the authentic G.I. Joe equipment, you'll have the greatest realism, the greatest fun you ever had in playing soldier box after box of authentic uniforms and equipment so you can change your G.I. Joe soldier into a camouflage marine ready for battle. A Navy Frogman with complete scuba suit and inflatable life raft. An Air Force pilot with high altitude helmet and air vest. Get G.I. Joe and get G.I. Joe equipment so you can set up exciting battle action whenever you want. Remember only G.I. Joe is G.I. Joe.
2: Can you tell me, within two years, when was G.I. Joe released, Kimmy?
3: 1968.
2: You missed it. It was 1964 when Joe came out first. Originally, how tall was the G.I. Joe figure?
4: 11 inches.
2: 12 inches is what the Joe was. We'll give it to you, though. He was a 12-inch figure. And then back in the latter 70s, he got shrunk. Oh. Because... Allegedly, because of the oil crisis and the cost of plastics going up, they reduced the size of Joe. Also, maybe one of the influences was because Kenner was doing quite well with Star Wars action Hmm. figures, which were tinier or smaller. But I collect the 12-inch G.I. Joes, including the one with lifelike hair and, you know, the talks when you pull the tags. Mm. Yes. uh, I I, I have some near mint of those in the collection. You do? Yes, looking for a toy show, hopefully, in the near future where maybe we can find some more of those kind of things to add. Love those, those figures. Not bashing the little ones, but I like the Big Joe. So on this day, Kimmy, the beginning of Groundhog's Day started. Tell me the name in the, well, tell me the name of the city in Pennsylvania that is associated with Groundhog's Day. And what year did this happen? We will give you a plus or minus of 10 years that Groundhog's Day started. Puxatawney? Yeah, that's right. You should know because of the movie Groundhog's Mm -hmm. Day. You are right. Puxatawney is where it is in Pennsylvania. And bonus question, what's the name of the groundhog? Phil? Yes. And what year?
4: 1938.
2: Groundhog's Day began 1887.
4: Okay. A little bit off.
2: There used to be the, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to have the backup Groundhog's Day location near you, kind of near you. It was a little, it was north of you in Wisconsin and Sun Prairie, Wisconsin's where the backup Groundhog's Day, I don't know if it still is, I was at the backup Groundhog's Day event. That was something. It's my first encounter with furries. Lucky devil. Well, it was sub-zero and I was broadcasting from there. And we had to show up at 3 o'clock in the morning for Groundhog's Day. Mm. That's when the celebration started, festivities. And there were people, I'm not making this up, dressed up as groundhogs with the full suits. And then they had groundhogs hats. You know, they made their hats, special groundhog hats. And Mm. I was like, what kind of world am I in? It was like Mm. the first time I really encountered furries. And this is like pre-furry being like in mainstream furry thing. These people weren't like furries that you encounter now. But these are groundhog furries, Mm. hardcore furries.
4: Okay. All
2: right. And then they had the big actual groundhog, backup groundhog, met him. He was, he was rather cranky. not <laughs> say that much, but he was kind of nice. Let me pet him. Hmm. Next yeah. question. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You'd be cranky too if you're yeah. cold up yeah. there. It was cold.
4: At I mean, 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, he was asleep then. They didn't wake him up till sunrise. Oh, and he had, got to sleep. Okay. He had to sleep till the sun came up over the thing, you know, and he had to see if he, you know, they had to know if he sees mm. shadow the whole thing, you know. Yeah.
3: How did they wake him up?
2: Don't you remember the movie? They did it just like they did in the movie. He's in a box and they they rap on the box. They go bang, 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 bang on the box. Yeah. And if he comes out, (laughs) then I I don't know how the thing works. Either he sees his shadow, doesn't see his shadow, whatever. You know. Well, they bang on the box, and if he comes out, you know, he comes out, and if he doesn't, well, he didn't see his shadow. Okay. That's how it worked. And he came out. He looked around. I think they lured him out too. I can't remember what. What kind of food he liked. Mm. But uh, he was hungry. No! He was hungry, though. (laughs) He's sort of like you. you Mm. Next question we have for you, Kimmy. It was 1863. This person used this pseudonym. He was a writer. And he's more known probably by his pseudonym than his real name. His pseudonym is Mark Twain. Tell me his real name Samuel Clemens. That's correct. 1863 is when he started using Mark Twain. Give me the year, Kimmy. We're giving you a plus or a minus of five years. The first 45 RPM record was released for this Flashback Friday. We'll give you a moment to think about it. Remember, the first 45 record released.
1: Even a mere youngster can play it. Jimmy, you can hardly miss getting those 7-inch records onto the big sender spindle correctly. And what's there to do after that? Nothing but press one button once and enjoy up to 50 minutes of music. And what music, Jimmy? Such rich tones. And there's the second great feature of the RCA Victor 45, quality. The third is its low cost. Forty-five automatic players begin at $12.95, and 45 records as low as 46 cents. Those 15 dance albums you mentioned, Ray, cost $12.45 less when purchased on 45. And that's only 50 cents short of the price of a completely automatic 45 attachment. With record savings like this, It's no wonder all America is swinging to 45. Best swing I've ever seen, Jimmy. None better, Ray. Friends, join the swing to 45 when you buy your next record.
2: What year did the first 45 RPM record come out? 1950. You get it within the plus or minus. It was 1949 that that first one came out. Do you have any 45s in your collection? Yes, I do. The year is 1950. We have impossible television question for you. It's the impossible category but let's just see maybe you've paid attention to buzzer tv you know i know you were exposed to it especially during the day at a certain location now maybe you maybe you're aware of this show and you can pick up what it is just by the description of what the host says it debuts on cbs tv kimmy on this date 1950 this show is very important in the world of game shows it runs until 1967 making it the longest run game show on tv history longest run continuous you with me? Mm-hmm. Here is your clue. It is impossible. TV question. Give me the name of the TV show if you can.
1: Because it's a nice, hot summer evening, you can get your masks ready. You'll yeah. be putting them on pretty soon. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the fact that we'll have the masks so quickly will tell you that we have a few variations from Norm for the panel tonight. We'll also have a famous mystery guest before our panel a little bit later in the show, and we'll meet our first challenger... All right, panel, are you all masked up? Mm-hmm. Good, all we'll be really on our metal tonight because we have some gentlemen from the American Bar Association with us. So let's see you distinguish yourselves as we bring in our first contestant. Will you come in and sign in, please?
2: That's what they would have the contestant do: come in and actually write their name on a chalkboard. Very low-budget show, actually. Mm. Can you tell me the name of that TV show that made its debut in nineteen fifty?
3: What's
4: my line?
1: line brought to you by helene curtis makers of stop at deodorants blowing cream spray and stick kingsman toiletries and endon dandruff treatment shampoo now let's all play what's my
3: line
2: i don't know how you got that Can you, have you seen it on buzzer tv or something mm, probably All right. I occasionally I actually find the show quite boring, to be honest with you, that and but I watch it for one purpose only when I occasionally zap into buzzer TV. And that's because of maybe some of the panelists that they have a guest. Occasionally, you'll see somebody like Johnny Carson on it way before they were super big. So it's kind of cool to see that. Or sometimes the mystery guest that they have is a celebrity who is disguising their voice. So that's kind of fun to, you know, kind of check out. As well, that is what's my line? Made its debut in 1950. The year is 1957. This person makes an appearance on the Perry Como show. Performs two of his hits. One of them is this. Tell me who the performer is.
4: I found my thrill on oh, Blueberry Hill. Yeah.
2: Who is that, Kimmy? That's Domino. Yes. He also performs Blue Monday. Blue
4: Monday. How I. Eat the- Got to work, land leave on me. he come Tuesday, oh Tuesday I'm so tired, got no time to play That's Domino
2: 1957 on the Perry Como Show. The year is 1959, this single is released. Kimmy, tell me the name of the song.
7: Make her fair I love the girl with sunlight in and- Brightest
3: stars up in the skies, and place them in her eyes for me.
2: Can you tell me the name of that song?
4: Venus. Hey.
2: Well, back then it might have been innocent, but now it might be a little creepy with those lyrics. Can you tell me the singer there, Kimmy? Frankie Avalon? That's correct. 1959. Staying in 1959. This single is released. Tell me the name of the song. Fee, fee, fi,
4: fi, fo, 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 fo. I smell smoke in the auditorium.
2: What is the name of that song? Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown.
8: Why is everybody always
3: picking on me?
2: Bonus points if you can tell me who had that as a hit. Ooh. Bonus no. points. It no. is the Coasters. Staying in 1959, we cannot get into the 60s at least, or 70s or 80s. Staying in 1959, give me. let's see if you can get us out of the 50s. Vince Lombardi signs a five-year contract to coach what team? The Green Bay Packers? That's correct. The year is 1973. NBC TV debuts this late night program that ran on one of the weekends, or Friday nights, or Saturday nights. Not going to help you there. Either Friday night or Saturday night, it ran. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very late at night, this program ran. Mm-hmm. Debut's 1973. Here is its host. They would have guest hosts, but here is its its host. Tell me the name of the TV show.
9: Of what a great
4: writer and performer Paul Anker has been over the years. From his early hits like Diana, Put Your Head on My Shoulder, and Puppy Love, to writing My Way for Frank Sinatra, and She's a Lady for Tom Jones and he's continued to be a big influence in the music business. I remember right here, he said to me, he said, Wolfman, if I don't get a hit in 74, I ain't gonna score. Now, although Paul has written many hits for other people, 1974 was to be the year for Paul to write another gold record. It took 17 years for Paul to come back with Having My Baby and his current hit, One Man Woman. Now, it looks as though Paul is right where he belongs, on top of the charts. So here he is with his big hit in 1974,
2: Paul Ica. The year is 1973, Kimmy, and name that TV show. Midnight Special. That's correct. He did give his name there, but let's see if you were paying attention. Who was the host?
3: That's Wolfman
4: Jack.
2: That's correct. Did you ever, well, did one of your relatives have that on videotape for you to oh, watch? Oh, I've seen it. Okay, and I know they had video of that and the kind of the rival to the Midnight Special, which was Don Kirshner's uh, rock concert mm. which did you prefer midnight um, special or the rock concert
3: midnight special all
2: right the years 19 19- yeah that's because helen reddy used to be on Ugh. you you were like oh please say angie baby okay it's 1974 this song hits number one kimmy tell me the name of the song here is your clue are you ready mm-hmm. moving to 1974 on the music charts kimmy, this song hits number one tell me the name of the song
6: My mind. Misty
10: Water
2: It was number one on this date nineteen seventy four. Tell me the name of that song.
3: The way we were all oh, the way we were.
2: And who had that as a hit, 1974?
4: Barbara Streisand.
2: Do you have that in your collection?
4: No, I don't.
2: All right. The year is 1978. This group signs with Warner Brothers on their debut album from 1978. Here's the second single. Tell me the name of that band that signed on this date, 1978. <laughs> Kimmy, who is it? Van Halen. Correct. Now, Running With The Devil, I know you're quite familiar with it. How high did it chart, Kimmy?
4: Mm, Number 20?
2: No, it didn't even break the top 40. It hit number 84 on the Hot 100, but it is known. It's one of their big songs that they performed over the years in concert. And, of course, album rock at the time, which would eventually become classic rock Did play Running with the Devil. The year is 2002. This might be impossible music and TV question combined. This person, host and musical guest of Saturday Night Live. They are both, Kimmy, which is kind of rare, isn't it? Host and guest. Mm -hmm. I mean, host and musical guest. It's kind of, you know, that's a rarity here. Mm -hmm. So you can identify this person with their promo for the show. You know what they do for the TV stations going, Hey, I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live. Tell me who it is. Let's see if you can identify her voice.
6: And I'll be hosting Saturday Night Live this week. I'm also the musical guest. I'm producing and directing, and I'll be in the audience. So watch.
2: Can you tell me who that is? Britney Spears.
6: Hi, I'm Britney Spears, and I'll be hosting Saturday Night Live this week.
2: How on earth did you get that? The voice. You, you actually could. I, it doesn't sound anything like her singing voice, though. To me, it didn't. You thought it did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> Celebrity and notable birthdays. Famous people born on this date. This person born 1906. Kimmy did tons of golden age of radio, film as well, and big in television. See if you can identify him in probably his most famous TV role. Here is your clue. Who was born on this date? 1906.
1: And now, if you don't mind, would you get busy with those cards, please? Uh, Oh, and Mrs. Carmichael. Now... Remember, each one of these packages has a slip of paper with the name of the person it goes to. Yes. Now, I want you to put the name on a gift card. Yes. Then put the corresponding card on the corresponding package. Yes. Now, do you understand that?
11: A ten-year-old child could understand that.
1: Well, I don't have a ten-year-old child. I have to settle for you.
2: <laughs> Can you tell me who that is?
4: That is Mr. Mooney.
2: Not the character he played. Tell me the name of the actor who was born on this date, 1906. He played Theodore J. Mooney on The Lucy Show. That was his second uh, show for Lucy, her second run. And matter of fact, he was on the other one, too, that came out, Here's Lucy. And then the one after that, the fourth and final series called Life with Lucy, was part of that, too. And he was on Our Miss Brooks back in the 50s with Eve Arden. He played the school principal, And tons of Golden Age radio. Matter of fact, he was with Lucy on My Favorite Husband from 1948 to 1951. A show that influenced I Love Lucy. And he was supposed to be Fred Mertz, but couldn't do it because he got booked for Our Miss Brooks. So he he only makes a guest appearance on I Love Lucy. Gail Gordon. That's correct. Gail Gordon, born in the state, 1906, died 1995 at the age of 99. And big in the Golden Age of radio because... He was the first actor to play the role of Flash Gordon in the 1935 radio series. We have examples of that on our website at RileyAndKimmy.com. He sounds quite a bit different as Flash Gordon. Next individual, Kimmy, a comedian. He was half of a, well, musical comedy duo. Can you tell me who it is? Here's your clue. Now Now I remember Mom...
0: Always picked on me, and I'd say, hi, Mom, I am remember remember me, the kid you don't like so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, you've got to have a dog. No, my mom gave a- my brother a dog, and I didn't get to have a dog. <laughs> I wanted a dog more than anything in the world. I said, Mom, if, if there's anything in the world I want, I want to have a dog like my brother Dick.
9: But I didn't get to have a dog!
2: Can you tell me who that is? Who's having a birthday?
4: Jerry Van Dyke?
2: No, it's not. His brother is named dick they had a a tv show that well they got in trouble with it was a tv show that caused quite a bit of controversy and they eventually fired from it tommy smothers that's who's having a birthday today how old is tommy today within five years 80 he's 81 today by the way in honor of his birthday we have a clip from the Tonight Show from I think it was nineteen ninety-one, he was on it as a guest with his brother and then comes back on camera doing an impersonation of Johnny Carson. That is the best I've ever seen. Mm. He's actually dressed like Johnny. And Ed McMahon does the announcement for him, you know, brings him out, brings out Tommy, and it's it's spot on. It's worth checking out. It's available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's kind of cool. You actually knew who that was. Next individual, Kimmy, became famous for two things, a poster and this TV show. Can you tell me the TV show? Charlie's Angels. Yes. Tell me who was born on this date.
11: Well, I don't want y'all to worry about striking out with Damien because... I did, too, the first six times. (laughs) Really? Oh, but deceiving my own sister, all of you, is the hardest thing Charlie ever asked me to do. The better I got to know him, the more I knew he'd see through us. You know, Kelly didn't have to tell me what I was putting you through. I knew, but she did a really heavy job of it. (laughs) I'm the one who's sorry. For all the pain I caused you, for the doubts you all had, I really wouldn't hurt any of you. For anything, especially you...
2: Can you tell me who that is? Sarah Fawcett. That's correct. Born on this day, 1947. Died 2009 at the age of 62. Can you tell me the name of the character she played on Charlie's Angels from 1976 to just 1977 and then would make guest appearances? Jill Monroe. Ooh, very, very good. By the way, she got in like a contract dispute with the show because she wanted out after that first season. They made a requirement that she had to make six guest appearances during the show's third and fourth seasons. That was the part of the deal. Now, who was she married to, Kimmy, when she signed on with Charlie's Angels?
4: Lee Majors.
2: Next person we're going to, Kimmy, this birthday person, identify who it is and tell me how old he is within five years. Best known for playing this character on Star Trek, the next generation and in films of Star Trek franchise. I'm an android.
0: Lieutenant Commander Data. I am programmed in multiple techniques, a broad
2: variety of pleasuring. Can you tell me who that is? Brent Spiner. That's correct. How old is he today within five years? Sixty-eight. Uh, he is 69 today. Very good, Kimmy. Kimmy actually met him, too. Uh-huh. He's pretty cool, isn't he? Yeah. We actually met him on the floor at Megacon. Yeah. We saw him in, you know, other things. We've met him, too. Often. I don't really consider meeting them when you have a photo with them. The photo op, they, you don't meet anybody. You're there for like one second, two. Actually, a second and a half. We actually met him and spent some time with him on the floor. hmm Next person, Kimmy, an American model having a birthday. She is 64 today. She's been married four times. Most notably to this person, she appeared in his videos and, matter of fact, this song video. Who is it? Who was she married to? That's Billy Joel. That's Billy Joel. And who was he married to? What's the name of the model he was married to, Kimmy? Christy Brinkley. That's correct. She is 64 today. I see dead people. Notable deaths, famous people who died on this date in history, Kimmy. This person dies at the age of 81 in 1969. Famous in the world of Universal Monsters. He played two monsters, iconic Universal Monsters. He also voiced something in animation that is iconic in 1966. Hosted a TV show from 1960 to 1962. Tell me who it is. Here's your clue.
8: And this instrument casts an evil shadow even beyond the death it has caused. And upon it is the mark of the hand. That's the name of our story. Based on a novel by the celebrated Charlotte Armstrong. Our principal players are Miss Mona Freeman, Miss Jessie Royce Landis, Mr. Shepard Strudwick, Miss Rachel Ames, and Mr. Judson Pratt. Let me assure you, my friends, this is
6: a thriller.
2: Kimmy, can you tell me who passed away in 1969? Boris Karloff.
4: As
8: sure as my name is Boris Karloff.
2: You got it right, Kimmy. I think you did a fantastic job on this freaky Flashback Friday.
4: Thank you.
2: We're going to go back in time and honor something we talked about on Trivia with a golden age of radio. Radio, was new?
6: Radio, someone still
2: loves you. And that's... The Riley and Kimmy Show. We have two fantastic examples of the Golden Age of Radio with Boris Karloff. Yeah, we spoke about Boris passing away on this date in history. And we have two excellent examples. The first one is called Death for Sale. And it's from the, well, the final time period of the Golden Age of Radio. But it's still a fantastic episode. It's from 1957. And following Death for Sale, we have Boris in... Arsenic and Old Lace from 1946, both are fantastic examples of the Golden Age of Radio. Going back in time, kicking off our tribute, here's our Boris Karloff tribute with Death for Sale from 1957 on the Riley and Kimmy Show.
3: Good evening, friends of the creaking door. This is your host to welcome you once again into the inner sanctum. Come on in for the crime of your life and meet one of the illustrious inmates from our who's who. <laughs> this cadaverous cut up is Mr. Seymour Blade. His wife had a tiff with him and uh, punctuated it with a kitchen knife through the middle. Which is, of course, one way of making your point sting. (laughs) All right, then, lend a fear now to some grim happenings, and hear what kind of profits our star Boris Karloff in the role of Mark Devers reaped when he put up death for sale. The ashtray in the reception room is stuffed with half-smoked cigarettes. The disheveled man waiting paces his caged animal steps this way and that. Each second, his eyes dart to the door at the end of the room at the slightest sound. At last, the knob turns. The door swings wide open. Well, doctor?
9: Your wife is in pretty bad shape. Cora, is my wife. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought... Forget
8: it. Bad shape. But you're going to pull out of it. Right,
9: uh, Mr. Devers. She's not going to pull out of it. Well, it uh, it doesn't look as if she will. What? There's a chance. Only a very small one, but still a chance. You're lying. She's going to pull out of it. She's got to. We're doing everything we can. Look, even even if she has to die,
8: you could pull her out of it for an hour, couldn't you? Just an hour, so that she could sign something. Mr. And Devers, it means everything to me, Doc. You could give her a shot or something, couldn't you? Good
9: day, Mr.
8: Deavis. I'll give you 5000 Good $10, day. $10,000, Doc. And you fool! You don't understand! You've got to do this for me!
6: You've got to! You've got to! You...
8: The doctor doesn't understand. He'd do the same in my case. So would you. So would anybody. $50,000. I was one hour away from $50,000. Money that belongs to me, my money that I've waited seven long years for, and I won't be cheated out of it. Seven long years. It all seems so simple then, and so sure. We had a perfect plan for $50,000, and nothing was going to keep us from it, and nothing did. Up to three weeks ago, That was when Cora called me at the office. I just thought she was imagining things again as she had right along. I told her so, but she said no. This man was watching her night and day.
7: He is, Mark. He's outside the house right now.
8: Oh, come now, Cora.
7: I tell you he is.
8: Oh, you're just imagining things again. Why don't you
7: try I'm not imagining anything. He's right outside the house, across the street, and I'm... You'll
8: be positive after seven years.
7: I know I've been wrong before, but this time I'm sure Elliot's come back and... (gasps) What? The doorbell just rang.
8: Who is it? Evelyn?
7: I suppose so. We're supposed to go to the movies together.
8: Good idea. Take your mind off believing everyone you see is Elliot Starnes.
7: You're not coming home, then?
8: Not till I've finished at the office.
7: All right, Mark. Suit yourself.
8: Goodbye, darling. Give my best to Evelyn. Smart. Oh, all right. All
7: right, I'm coming. I was on the phone,
9: Evelyn. (gasps) Aren't you going to ask me in? Oh, of course. After all these years, you've probably forgotten who I am. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Elliot Starnes your beloved husband.
7: Elliot, you're supposed to
9: be... Dead? The... Yes, I know I'm supposed to be, Cora, but as you can see, I'm very much alive.
7: I knew it was you this time. I know it.
9: I think you better ask me in, don't you? After all, it isn't very often that a husband comes back from the dead.
8: Back from the dead. That's what he was, all right. When Cora called me this time, I didn't say I couldn't leave the office. (laughs) All right, Cora, pull yourself together.
7: But, Mark, you don't understand. Oh,
8: yes, I do. You've been scared for the last seven years, and you're going to go on being scared for the rest of your life.
7: He wants $5,000 more to disappear again.
8: Well, I didn't expect him to come back just to say hello. Of course he wants more money. Uh, What
7: what are we going to do? He knows that we collect that 50,000 insurance money three weeks from now. He says if we don't come through with his five, he'll go straight to the insurance company and... Oh, don't
8: be a fool. He's in this thing as much as we are. He won't do anything to spoil his chances. All he wants is money.
7: The longer he's around, the more chance we take that somebody might recognize him. Mark, we can go to jail. We've
8: waited a long time to get our hands on this money, and I don't expect to be cheated out of it now.
7: You're going to give him the 5000
8: I don't know. Maybe.
7: But... But you...
8: nothing. When did he say he's coming back?
7: Tonight. After midnight.
8: All right. I'll be here. We'll handle Elliot once and for all. And after this time, there won't be any coming back. <laughs> I guess no matter how carefully you plan, there's always that one small thing you fail somehow to cover. Seven years before, I was sure we'd covered everything. And it was clever. Really clever. The law says that if a body isn't recovered after seven years' time, a man is declared legally dead. (laughs) So we found us a body, Cora and I did. We found Elliot Starnes and sold him on death. ...for
9: $5,000. Sure, I'll do it. I'll marry Cora and then disappear. For $5,000, you can sell me on anything.
8: He married Cora, and a little while after the policy was issued... ...his automobile was found at the bottom of Ridgely's Pond. Oh, the police dragged the water for days, but naturally didn't find the body... ...and the insurance people exercised their right to withhold payment... ...till Elliot was declared legally dead...
7: I understand, gentlemen. And I don't even care about the money. All I care about is that my poor husband is dead.
8: It was clever, all right. And Cora put on a good act. We knew we'd cash in while others had failed because we weren't anxious. We were willing to wait for seven years. And wait we did. It was a perfect plan. Nothing was going to keep us from it nothing except now elliot had come back he swore he'd never return, and he'd gone back on his word but by midnight i'd made up my mind how to handle elliot
9: no mark
8: the only way no the only way this five that he wants that's only the beginning he'll hold us up all his life he'll drain us dry of every cent of that fifty thousand i won't let you do it yes you will We're in this far. You won't back down now.
7: I've got to. I never dreamed it would turn out like this.
8: Another few weeks and he'll be legally dead. There
7: there must be another way. Only this,
8: believe me.
7: And after it's done,
8: it'll be you and me and nobody the
6: wiser.
8: (laughs) Go on. Open the door for
6: him. What? Cora.
8: Do what I say.
6: I can't. You've got to.
8: All right. I'll be inside. Tell him everything is set.
7: Hello.
9: Hello, Cora. Uh, won't you come in, Elliot? Thank you, my dear. Don't mind if I do.
7: Mark here yet, Cora? Yes. He's in the living room.
9: Oh, fine. Then you and Mark have agreed on the deal for me.
7: Yes, we have. Come in, Elliot. Everything's
6: set.
3: Though so Mark is waiting for Elliot in the... Uh, you'll pardon the expression... Living room. <laughs> Whatever happens to Elliot actually serves him right... After all, here in the Sanctum, we don't go for live people walking around as if they were ghosts. It's enough to scare the death out of us. Poor Cora, so nervous. She just can't look a corpus delicti in the prima facie. Well, enough grave philosophy. Suppose we let our star, Boris Karloff, take up our stark story where we left off.
6: Hmm? Yeah.
8: Everything was said. I planned to kill Elliot with the knife I held behind me, and I felt absolutely no compunction about it.
9: Are you... You're joking. No, Elliot. You're You're crazy. Cora, stop him. You'll never get away with it. Mark! No!
8: I buried him in the back of the house. I say I did. Because Cora wasn't much used to anyone that night or for several days afterwards. She got over it as I knew she would. She got over it when she realized that I was right, that we had gotten away from it. And no one could ever know and no one would miss him. She got over it when I reminded her that in just one more week, we'd be sharing that $50,000. Just
7: one week?
8: That's right, Cora.
7: I've been a lot of trouble to you these past few days. I am sorry.
8: Oh, forget it. It's all over.
7: Yes, it is. I'll feel a lot better when the money's actually ours. Somehow, way in the back of my mind, I feel that maybe we won't... Look, You're...
8: darling, it's as good as ours now. There's nothing left in the way. Not a single thing. One week. That's all. Uh... Ah, now, wouldn't you know. You expecting anyone? No. Evelyn?
7: How did this all...
8: Well, whoever it is, get rid of
7: it. Yes, darling. I'll get rid of it.
11: Yes? Mrs. Stein? Yes? Mrs. Elliot Stein? That's right. I want to talk to you. Here's my card. Well, I'm sorry. I'm busy right now. Uh, too busy to see me. I can promise you that. Oh, now, see here. Nice card, ain't it? Real fancy engraving. Is <sighs> Mrs. Mrs. Elliot Starnes. That's right. I'm the woman Elliot married after he disappeared seven years ago. Now, I don't think you're going to be too busy to see me after all. Do you?
8: Maybe it's fate. Maybe it's all in the cards. You work hard. You think out a plan that's letter perfect. Then up pops the unexpected, forcing you into the first place desperate step to lick it. First Elliot Starnes himself and his second wife that we didn't know existed.
11: And here's our wedding license just in case you don't believe me. Here, you can look at it. Well,
8: take it easy, Cora. We believe you're his wife, Mrs. Starnes.
11: And he's got a birthmark? We
8: said we believe you. Now what do you want?
11: Well, what does any good woman want? My husband.
8: Then why come here?
11: Where else would I go?
8: I'm afraid we don't understand. Do we, Cora?
11: No. I'm afraid you do. Now, look here. I'm afraid you understand awful well. Elliot told me.
8: Told you what?
11: What you two were doing. You also told me if he should fail to come home after a couple of Mrs. days. Mrs.
8: Starnes, we haven't seen your husband for seven years.
11: Now, you don't expect me to believe that, do you?
8: I don't see why not.
11: I do. You see, Mr. Devers, the other day, with my own eyes, I seen Elliot walk into this house. But I didn't see him walk out again. What's the matter, Mr. Devis? You got nothing to say?
8: What? What do you want, Mrs. Starnes?
11: My husband, of course. Only since you killed him, I can't very well have that, can I? What? He's the only man I ever loved. And you killed him. I never should have let him come here. For days I begged him not
8: to. Mrs. Starnes. I made a
11: mistake letting him come here. I know that now. But I want him back. I love him and I want Elliot back. Do you
8: want your husband, Mrs. Starnes? Or a substantial sum of money? Huh? How much?
11: How can you talk about money at a time like this? Five
8: thousand.
11: I loved my husband, Mr. Dean. Seventy-five hundred. Well, how much? Twenty-five thousand. What? In cash, Mark.
8: Let me handle this, Cora. And if we
11: refuse? Well, then I'll just naturally have to tell my story to the police. Mark. Cora but you Oh, let's drop all the small talk, Mr. Devers. I want twenty five thousand and I want it fast. Now make up your mind. I'll make up now, my mind. Oh, no, of... Mr. Devers, don't get rough. I'm not as dumb as my ex husband. I've taken steps against anything happening to me. Uh, no, more. Better listen to her. You're
8: not getting away with this.
11: Then you don't get away with Elliot's murder. Oh, so help me! Before I... you put that hand on me, you better have your lady friend look out that window. What?
7: Hmm. There's a taxi across the street, Mark.
11: My taxi, and the driver knows I'm in here. You'd have to kill him too. Elliot's ever-loving second wife is here to stay. And if you want to get her out of your life, the cost is going to be $25,000. By this time, tomorrow night.
8: After she left, I had some work to do on Cora.
7: It won't be the same way, Mark. Not another murder.
8: <gasps> said anything like that.
7: Promise me? Not the same way.
8: Sure, sure promise. After all, if we can get away with 25000 is that so bad?
7: I'd rather settle for none
8: of
7: it. Huh? That money won't do us any good now. Why not? It just won't.
8: Oh, you're all upset. You'll feel differently day after tomorrow when you sign those papers in the insurance office and they hand that fat check over to you.
7: No, Mark. I'll never feel differently
6: about
8: it again. I knew I couldn't work Cora my way much longer. But it was just two more days. Two more days to get that 50,000. Just two things to settle in just two days. First, there was Mrs. Starr. When she came to my apartment the next night, I handed the envelope over to her.
11: It's all here?
8: You could open the envelope and count it if you like.
11: I don't have to, do I?
8: And <laughs> what if I cheated you?
11: You wouldn't. I could always come back.
8: You could always come back for more anyway.
11: What do you
8: think I am? Doesn't make any difference now, what I think.
11: Okay. No hard feelings.
8: There are, but they won't bother me for long.
11: Of course not. That money you're collecting will cure that. I'll
8: be cured before then.
11: That's your
8: business. It's yours, too, now.
11: I don't see how. Now, do you see? Put that knife down. I
8: will. Into you.
11: No. Don't. Please.
8: That door's locked. You can't get out.
11: Don't. You can have the money back.
8: There isn't any money in that envelope. Huh? Just strips of newspaper. Where can I get $25,000? I don't
11: care about the money. I
8: do. I cared about it for seven years. Care enough to murder once and I can do it. Again. Now, Mrs. Darn. I've no hard feelings towards you. None at all. Just two things to take care of in just two days. The first, Mrs. Starnes, was taken care of, and the second was now just an hour away. The 50,000 was waiting in the insurance office for Cora. All she had to do was sign her name on some papers to get it. Oh, you can imagine how relieved I was as I sat next to Cora when she drove to the insurance office. But it was different with Cora. Cora didn't say a word.
7: There's nothing left to say, Mark.
8: Oh, money will make you talk, Cora. You wait and see. After you get your hands on the... Hey, you're taking the wrong street. No, Mark. Sure you are. This is the way.
7: It's the only way left for us, Mark. Huh? We're driving straight out of town. We're never coming back. There'll be no more murders. her. I know you killed that woman. Now,
8: where did you ever get that idea?
7: I paid her and she left. I was outside your apartment house last night.
8: All right. So you know now. What did you expect? I couldn't let it all go down the drain, not after seven years? Turn the car around. No. You're going to sign those papers. I want that money.
7: It's too late, Buck. Like fun it is. Let go. You're turning this car around. Mark,
6: the
8: wheel, let go. I wasn't even scratched in the crash. Cora wasn't that lucky. I rushed her here to the hospital. You heard what the doctor said.
9: There's a chance. Only a small one, but still a chance. No, oh,
8: the doctor doesn't understand. There's got to be more than only one small chance. I was one hour away from that $50,000. Money that belongs to me, money that I've waited seven years for, and I won't be cheated out of it. Cora's got to live. She's got to sign those papers.
9: Well, doctor? There's, uh... Someone waiting for you down the corridor, Mr. Devers. What about Cora? There's still a chance, isn't there? No chance at all anymore. You're lying. The gentleman is waiting. You're lying. She's not dead. She can't be. The gentleman is from the police. She asked me to call. The lie. She's not dead. Mr. Devers, try to understand.
8: She is. No! It's not true, and I won't listen to you. She's got to sign those papers.
9: You've only got to keep her alive another hour. You're a doctor. You can do that. Mr. Devers, seven please. Seven years,
8: don't you understand? Oh, I can't let seven years go down the drain. Seven years. It can't turn out that way. No.
6: She's not dead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so Mark's 50,000 went down the drain after all And Mark went down the hatch Of a scaffold You know, I can't feel sorry for Mrs. Starnes She should have known that a rolling widow Gathers only mausoleum Ha, <laughs> Yes, sir. When you use a dead husband for blackmail, you're bound to end up face down. Oh, a footnote. When you're dealing with life insurance, remember, honesty is the best policy. Well, friends, it's time once again to close that creaking door. Until next week at this same time, when we'll be back with a little hunk of horror. (laughs) You'll be sure to listen, aren't you? Until next week then, good night, pleasant dreams. Mm.
1: You could ask anybody in that section of Brooklyn, and they all would tell you the very same thing. The neighbors, the minister, Dr. Harper, even O'Hara, the cop on the beat.
4: You mean them two old Brewster sisters? Why, there ain't two sweeter little ladies in the world. Too bad, though, about that nephew of theirs. Too bad. He's sort of... Charge! Charge! Follow me, men! Up San Juan Hill after Teddy Roosevelt! See what I mean?
1: But the Brewster sisters have another nephew, Mortimer. He's dramatic critic on a New York paper. And he's always considered himself quite sane until tonight.
0: And Abby, and
5: Martha, I have news for you. I'm going to marry Elaine Harper. Oh, Mortimer, how nice. Our minister's daughter. Really, Mortimer, we ought to celebrate. Not tonight, darlings. I've got to pick up Elaine and get back
0: to town. Have to cover a play tonight.
5: Well, I do hope it's something you'll like for once. What's the name of it, dear?
0: Murder Will Out. I'll bet I can write the review without even seeing it.
5: I always said
0: you were talented, dear. Same old tripe. When the curtain goes up, first thing you see is a dead body. Well, maybe you won't actually see it. It'll be hidden somewhere, like in this window seat. Then someone will come on, walk in sort of casually, lift the cover up of the window seat like this. And...
5: Why, Mortimer, dear, what's the matter? Aunt Abby, Aunt Martha, there's a d- d- dead man in there. <laughs>
0: Now, look, aunties, let me say it again slowly. There's a body in the window seat.
5: Yes, dear, we know. You know? <laughs> well, of course.
0: Oh, honestly, I never thought Teddy would ever get... Listen, you were planning to send him to that, that sanitarium, Happydale?
5: Yes, dear, it's all arranged. Elaine's father brought the papers over this afternoon. Here they are, all ready for Teddy to sign.
0: Well, he's got to sign them right away. Tonight! If they ever found out he's killed a man, they'll... Oh, Teddy didn't do that.
5: He didn't? He didn't? Now, Mortimer, just forget about it. Forget you even saw the gentleman. Forget? We never dreamed you'd peek. But... uh... But who is he? His name is Hoskins. Adam Hoskins. That's all I really know about him. Except that he's a Methodist. Yes, but... (laughs) What's he doing here? What happened to him? He died. Aunt Martha... Men don't just get into window seats and die. No, Mortimer, he died first. Well, how? Oh, Mortimer, don't be so inquisitive. The gentleman died because he drank some wine with poison in it. Elderberry wine. How did the poison get in the wine? Oh, we put it in the wine because it's less noticeable. When it's in tea, it has a distinct odor. You put it in the wine? Yes, and we put Mr. Hoskins in the window seat because Elaine's father was coming to tea. Then you knew what you'd done. You didn't want Dr. Harper to see the body. Well, not a tea. That wouldn't have been very nice. (laughs) Now, Mortimer, dear, you, you can forget all about it. Teddy's down in Panama right now. Panama? You know, the cellar. He always calls the cellar Panama. And the steps over there are San Juan Hill. He's down in Panama now, digging the lock. You mean you're going to bury Mr. Hoskins in the cellar? Of course, dear. That's what we did with the others. Well, I don't think you should. Others? The other gentlemen. W- wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me get this straight.
0: When you say others, do you mean
5: others?
6: <laughs>
5: More than one? Oh. Others? Yes, uh, this is eleven, isn't it, Abby? No, dear. This makes twelve. <laughs> Well, you, you really shouldn't count the first one. After all, he just died. Just died? Well, Martha means without any help from us. Mr. Midgley was his name. He was a Baptist. And he came here looking for a room. It was right after you moved to New York, Mortimer. It didn't seem right to leave that lovely room empty with so many people needing it, so we advertised that Mr. Midgley applied. He was so lonely, no kith or kin. We felt so sorry for him. And then when his heart attack came and he sat there dead in that chair. Remember, Martha? It was just like old times. (laughs) Grandfather was a doctor, you know. He always had a cadaver or two around the house. (laughs) Only Teddy insisted that Mr. Medgley was a yellow fever victim and had to be buried at once. So we buried him in Panama. Yes. Mm. He looked so peaceful, didn't he, Abby? Oh, so serene. And we made up our minds right then and there that if we could help other lonely old men find the same peace, we would. So that's... That's how it all started,
0: that man walking in and dropping dead.
5: Oh, well, of course, we realized we couldn't depend on that it I... was happening. Martha, so, uh, you know those jars of poison that have been up in Grandfather's laboratory all these years? And your Aunt Martha has such a knack for mixing things. <laughs> well, dear... For a gallon of elderberry wine, I take one teaspoonful of arsenic and then add half a teaspoonful of strychnine and then just a pinch of cyanide. Should have quite a kick. Oh, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, one of our gentlemen found time to say how delicious.
0: Look, look, Andy's. Hmm? I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but you can't do things like this. It's against the law. It's not a nice thing to do. I mean, well, this has developed into a very bad habit.
5: Martina, we don't stop you from doing things you like to do. Why should you interfere with us? Because you...
0: Listen, I've got to rush into town and cover that play. Do a lot of things. There's not a minute to spare.
5: Are you sure you haven't time for dinner? I'm going to try a new recipe. Uh, Thanks. (laughs) I I couldn't eat a thing.
8: This is it, Doctor. Yes, I remember this door. Even when I was a child, it always sounded like inner sanctum. Come in. Oh, Johnny, it is dark in here. That means the family still live here. The Brewsters were always sparing with lights.
5: Is that so? Hey, who
12: turns on the lights?
5: I did. Who are you? Yes, what are you gentlemen doing here?
12: Why, Aunt Abby, Aunt Martha, it's Jonathan. You get out of here. But I'm
8: Jonathan, your nephew, Jonathan.
5: Oh, no, you're not. You're nothing like Jonathan, so don't pretend you are.
8: But I am. I'm Jonathan. And this is Dr. Einstein. Abby,
5: his voice does sound like Jonathan's, but his face... Have you been in an accident?
8: No. My face... Dr. Einstein is
12: responsible for that. He changes people's faces. I ought to... easy, Johnny, easy. (laughs) Don't worry, ladies. The last five years, I give Johnny three new faces. I give him another one right away. You'd better, when my own family doesn't even... Oh, Johnny, I'm sorry. I saw that horror picture just before I operate, and I was a little drunk. Anyway, now you are home... Ladies, how often he tells me about Brooklyn, about his house, about his aunts that he loves so much. Oh, please, you, you you, must know him. S- speak to him.
5: Tell him so. Well, J- Jonathan, it's been a long time since you ran away from us. Yes, where have you been all these years?
8: Oh, England, South Africa, Australia, the last five years. Dr. Einstein and I have been in Chicago.
5: Really? We were in Chicago for the World's Fair. We didn't like it. We found Chicago awfully warm. Yeah, it got too hot for us, too. <laughs> well, Jonathan, it was nice to see you again. I-, I mean, if you're in a hurry to get somewhere... Not at and...
12: all, Aunt Abby. But, but uh, uh
5: Martha, but, dear, Martha, we mustn't let soup boil over. Um, Jonathan, if you'll excuse us for a minute.
12: Of course.
5: Come along, Martha.
12: Johnny, we have got to work fast. The police, the police have got pictures of your face. I've got to find a place to operate. And we've got to find a place for Mr. Spinalzo, too. Don't waste any worry on that rat. But we can't leave a dead body in the rumble seat. Oh, oh you shouldn't have killed him, Johnny. He was a nice fellow. He gives us a lift, and what happens?
8: He said I looked like Boris Karloff. Oh. <laughs>
12: Don't worry, Johnny. As soon as I operate and change your face again... Wait a
8: minute. I know just the place. You do? Look, if this family hasn't changed, and I'm sure it hasn't, I'll bet my grandfather's old laboratory is just the... just the way he left. Oh, good. And when you've done with me, why, we can make a fortune here. In Brooklyn? Of course. Practically everybody in Brooklyn needs a new face... (laughs)
12: But, Johnny, your aunts, I I don't think they want us here
8: Leave that to me, Doctor, I'll handle it Why, this house will be our headquarters for years
12: Oh, that would be beautiful, Johnny This nice, quiet house, those sweet old ladies I love them already, I get the bags, yeah?
8: Doctor, we must wait till we're invited
12: But you just said
8: We'll be invited
12: And if they say no?
8: Doctor, two
12: helpless
8: old women (laughs) Sit down and make yourself comfortable.
12: Ah, it's like comes true a beautiful dream. It's so nice and peaceful
4: here.
8: That's what makes this house so perfect for us. It's so
4: peaceful. Samuel huh? Hillman! Charge! Charge!
8: I must say, my dear aunt, it was very kind of you to invite the doctor and myself to dinner.
5: We didn't really invite you, Jonathan. You invited yourself. Well,
8: it just shows you I feel at home already.
5: I'm sure I'm going to like it here. Like it here? You you mean you're going to stay? Oh, hadn't I told you? Now, Jonathan, you needn't think you're going uh, to stay... Abby, uh, uh, the... the dinner dishes. Shouldn't we get started on them, dear? Huh? Oh, oh, yeah, oh yes, 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 of course. Jonathan, we'll speak to you
6: later.
5: <laughs> Johnny!
12: Johnny! Just now, that teddy takes me down the cellar. And what do you think I find? What? The Panama Canal. The Panama Canal. Uh, listen, listen. He digs a hole down there. Just the right size for Mr. Spinalzo
8: Say, that's an idea. What a joke of my aunts to bury a body in their cellar.
12: <laughs> but... How are we going to get
8: him in? Get him in through those French windows. We can hide him in the window seat. The window seat? It's perfect for a corpse. Why, when I was a youngster, I used to hide there myself. Then, a little later on, when my aunts have gone to bed, we'll take him down and bury him.
12: But but, but suppose they come in here and find us?
8: My dear doctor, you don't understand. My aunts are doing the dinner dishes. They'll be in the kitchen for quite some time. Oh, they will? Yes, they've always kept a very neat home. Shall we go?
5: But, Abby, are you sure they've gone out? Yes, they're out there at their car. Besides, we've got to get Mr. Hoskins out of this window seat. <sighs> yes, poor dear, he can be very comfortable. And when Mortimer gets back, he'll take care of Jonathan. There'll be an awful row. They've never liked each other. Martha, I will not invite Jonathan to Mr. Hoskins' services. Abby, dear, we better hurry. Yes, let's see if Teddy is still in the cellar. Teddy, are you down there in Panama? Who dares call the president by his first name? Mr. President, we've got another gentleman. Is he dead? A yellow fever victim. Teddy, I'm afraid you'll have to hurry.
8: That's yes. it,
12: Doctor. Yes. <clears throat>
8: That's fine. See how nicely he fits?
12: Just like this window seat was made to order.
8: Now we'll go upstairs. When my aunts have gone to sleep, we'll come down and put him away. And after that. I know, Johnny, I know. I operate.
6: <laughs>
0: seems quiet enough. They must be sleeping, I guess. Might as well have a little light down here. And that's better. Now, let me see. First, I've got to get Hoskins out of the window seat. It's not very pleasant, but it's got to be done. Come on, old man. I'm sorry to disturb
6: you.
5: (coughs)
0: Another one!
5: Martima! Darling, you're back. Just in time for the services. Aunt Abby, Aunt Martha, there's another body in the window seat. Look! Now, who can that be? (laughs) Why, it's a stranger. My goodness, how did he get in there?
0: Now, wait a minute, you two. You can't get out of this. That's another one of your gentlemen. Mortimer, how can you
5: say such a thing? That man's an imposter. But you admitted... You admitted you put Mr. Hoskins in the window seat. Well, yes, I I did, but I... Well, this
0: man couldn't have just got the idea from Mr. Hoskins.
5: By the way, where is Mr. Hoskins? Teddy took him down to Panama. Yes, he's down there waiting for the services. Oh, Abby, dear, we've always wanted to hold a double funeral. No, Martha, I will not read services over a total stranger. Stranger?
0: Aunt Abby, there are 12 men buried down there in the cellar. You admit you poisoned them. Now you try to tell me this one is a
5: stranger? Well, of course. Darling... You don't think I'd stoop to telling my fib.
1: The second act of the Lady Esther Gill play will follow in a moment. Now, a word from Lady Esther.
10: When was the last time you really saw another woman give your skin one of those admiring looks? A little envious, because it was so fresh and clear and young-looking. When your skin does not have that clear, fresh, young look, skin specialists tell me it's usually because of an oily, stubborn film, which clouds the skin, makes it look tired and older. The thing to do is just this smooth on Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream and then wipe it off. Then, the important part, at least once a day repeat this treatment immediately. Again, smooth on Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream and again wipe it off. The first time, removes surface makeup and dirt, but it's the important second time which gets after that clinging, clouding, oily film, and immediately your skin looks cleaner, fresher, clearer, and far younger than you can possibly expect. Yes, immediately you will see and feel a big difference, because each time you use it, Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream does the four things your skin needs most for beauty. And it's so gentle and soft, you don't have to massage and rub at your skin. My cream itself does the work, not your fingers. And it needs no help from any other cream. Try this with Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream. Sure as you do, someone will say to you, why, I've never seen you look so rested, so fresh and young. You know, you look like a young girl in love.
1: now, Lady Esther presents the second act of Arsenic and Old Lace, starring Eddie Albert and Boris Karloff, with Erna Felton and Jane Morgan. Well, Mortimer thinks he's going crazy, until his brother Jonathan walks in. That makes the answer fairly apparent, and Mortimer shifts right into high... He tells him he's going to call the police and show them the very dead Mr. Pestalzo. And it looks like his bluff is going to work when Dr. Einstein comes rushing in.
12: Johnny!
1: Johnny! Come along, Doctor. It seems that we are leaving. No, Johnny, wait. Just now, that teddy takes me down
12: to Panama again. And guess what? What? Johnny, we stay.
1: We got an ace in the hole. (laughs) Now, Jonathan discovers poor, dead Mr. Hoskins, and that changes things all around again, especially since Mortimer has to leave to finish some very urgent business. And now, while they're awaiting Mortimer's return, the two old ladies are quite upset.
5: Jonathan, will you please tell us what you plan doing with your Mr. Spinalzo?
1: Going to bury him with your Mr.
8: Hoskins, I suppose.
5: Oh, no, you won't. We won't have any strangers buried in our cellar. And besides, the cellar's crowded already. <laughs> yes. There are 12 graves down there right now. 12 graves? As you can see, that leaves us very little room, and we're going to need it. You, you, you mean you two ladies have murdered all those... Murdered? Certainly not. It's one of our charities. Why, what we've been doing is a mercy.
12: You've done that here in this house, and you've buried them down there? Johnny... We have been chasing all over the world. They stay right here at home and do just as good as you do. What? You got 12, they got 12.
0: I've got 13.
12: No, Johnny, 12. 13. No, Johnny, you can't count the one in South Bend. He died of pneumonia. He wouldn't have got pneumonia if I hadn't shot him. No, Johnny, he don't count, he don't count. You, You got 12 and they got 12. The old ladies are just as good as you are. Oh, they
8: are, are they? Well, that's easily taken care of. All I need is one more. That's all. Just one more.
12: Well, here I am. (laughs) Oh, please, young man, take my advice. Go away from this house. Go away now while Johnny is still busy in the cellar with Mr. Spinalzo. I'm sorry,
0: doctor. I'm expecting someone. Someone very important. Besides, I've still got to write my review. But
12: I tell you, Johnny is in a bad mood, and when he's like this, he is a madman.
0: Don't worry,
12: I'll take care of Jonathan, too. Ach, Himmel, don't you got no sense? Uh, Don't
0: you learn nothing from those plays, you see? Are you kidding? You think people in plays act intelligently? You should have seen the one I had to cover tonight. There's a fellow in this play, knows he's in a house with murderers. He's even been warned. But does he get out? No, he stays there. Now, I ask you, doctor, is that intelligent? You are asking me. He didn't even have sense enough to be on guard. For instance, the murderer invites him to sit down. Oh, you mean, won't you sit down? (laughs) Believe it or not, that was in there, too. So what happens? He sits down, just like this. What do you think they tie him with? What? The curtain cord. Hmm, That's very convenient. A little too convenient. When are these playwrights going to use some imagination? So he sits there, the big dope. This fellow who's supposed to be bright, he sits there just like I'm sitting here, letting murder walk up behind him, just waiting to be trussed up and gagged. You're
8: quite right, my dear brother. That fellow wasn't very smart. Well, he seems to be gagged and tied quite well. All right, doctor... We go to work.
12: Uh, please, Johnny, first I need a drink. Oh, there's some wine here. Oh, yes, the elderberry wine, by all means. I pour you one, too. Oh, how I need this. Please, doctor, your
8: manners. Not without a toast. To my dear, dead Charlie brother.
4: Charge!
12: Charge! Ah, him! That idiot, he goes next. You hear me? He's next. No, Oh, no, Johnny, not Teddy.
8: We'll get to him later. Come on, we've got to work fast.
4: Hey, what is this? It's the cops. Listen, that Teddy's got to quit blowing his horn. We promised the neighbors. All right, officer, we'll speak to him. Uh, I'd better talk to him myself. Where's the lights? Ah, uh, that's better. I'll go up to his room and I... Uh... Hey, ain't that Mr. Mortimer? Uh, uh, yes, it is. What's he doing tied up like there? Well, well, he... Uh,
12: he was explaining the play he saw tonight. <laughs> that's what happened to the fellow in the play.
4: No kidding. Well, I wouldn't want to interfere. Hey, I'd O'Hara! Oh, be... uh, hi, you brophy. How's the prowl car business? Ah, kind of warm. Lieutenant Steven. Did he get you on the radio? Yeah, he says he got so many complaints from the neighbors, you'd think they dropped an atom bomb on Flatbush Avenue. He says we gotta take Teddy and they... uh, Hey, what's that guy trussed up like that? Oh, that's Mr. Mortimer. He's playing. Well, get him untied. He looks like he's choking. Oh, sure. Won't take me but a second. Officer, to... perhaps you better let me. Hey, who is this guy? <sighs> that's
8: That's my brother. You'd better stick around because he. Don't listen to him, officer. He's dangerous. Huh? That's why we had to tie him up. He's the lowest kind of person in the whole world.
4: A dramatic critic?
8: <laughs> and my two aunts. Huh? You think they're sweet, charming old ladies, do you? Well, there are 13 bodies buried in their cellar.
4: Listen, you be careful what you say about your aunts. They happen to be friends of ours. Hey, brophy, can you imagine what a puss like his. Why, he looks just like Boris Carlo. You... Hey, wait a minute. Lay off the heat, Help me. Let go, Help you. Me. What's the idea? You hear me? I said, let go. Oh. There. i to take care of him for a while. <clears throat> what was fighting him, choking me like that? I don't know. When you said he looked like it. Hey, wait a minute. Huh. This guy is wanted. You sure? Sure. Don't you ever read true detective? He escaped from an asylum. Well, well, that's the way he was described. He looked like Karloff. Is, is there a reward? Yeah, yeah. Help me lug him out to the car. But, but how about the bodies in the cellar? Bodies in the cellar? Ain't that enough to show you he's nuts? Hey, hey, what about the other one? You, you know who I mean, Mr. Mortimer. The doctor. Yeah, he must have walked out. Right, don't worry, we'll pick him up. Come on. Uh, Mr. Mortimer, you'll excuse us, huh? I, I mean, seeing as hot as a reward. Yeah, I understand. Uh, but you will take care of Teddy, though. Absolutely. Tonight.
0: <laughs> Aunt Martha, Aunt Abby, I know it's very late, but you see, Mr. Witherspoon came all the way over here. He's the superintendent of Happy Dale, you know.
5: He is? How nice.
0: Yes, and all the papers have been signed, and... He's going to take Teddy with him tonight.
5: Really, Mr. Witherspoon? Well,
0: that was my understanding.
5: Mortimer, does Teddy know? Uh,
0: Not exactly. Uh, He thinks he's going on a safari to Africa.
5: Abby, dear, we'll miss Teddy, won't we? We'll love him so. Oh, I've fixed all that too, Aunt Martha. You
0: and Aunt Abby are going along just so you can be close to Teddy.
5: Why, Mortimer, how thoughtful of you. Yes, isn't that nice? And Mortimer, you can have the house. The house? Of course, you'll need it if you're going to marry Elaine. Elaine? Holy Toledo, she must still be waiting. Excuse me, I've got to go and call her. He's such a good boy, Mr. Witherspoon.
1: Yes, yes, I'm sure.
5: You know, uh, since we're all going away together, I... I think we ought to celebrate, have a party. I'm
1: sorry, but I'm here in an official capacity.
5: Oh, that's too bad. Tell me, does your family live at Halfby Dale, too?
1: I'm afraid I haven't any family.
5: You're all alone. Uh-oh. isn't that too bad? You know, Martha, if Mr. Witherspoon won't uh, let us give him a party... At least we might offer him a glass of wine. Of course, the elderberry wine.
1: Elderberry
7: wine?
5: We make it ourselves.
1: Well, uh, of course, at Happydale, our relationship will be much more formal. But
5: here... I... Oh, we're very informal. Yes. Uh, go ahead, Martha. Uh, pour him a glass.
1: On behalf of the Motion Picture Relief Fund, thank you, Boris Karloff, Eddie Albert, Jane Morgan, and Berna Felton for your delightful performances. (laughs) Arsenic and Old Lace was produced and directed for Lady Esther by Bill Lawrence, adapted by Harry Cronman, and was presented through the courtesy of Warner Brothers, producers of Deception, starring Betty Davis. Boris Karloff will soon be seen in the Cecil B. DeMille Paramount production, Unconquered, Eddie Albert can now be seen in the Republic picture, Rendezvous with Annie. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther. Thank you and good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
2: If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyAndKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyAndKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, We will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based. About pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley
6: and Kimmy Show.
1: Find archived podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.